What's up, everybody? Welcome to the newest installment of the Minority Report. I am your host, the head minority in charge, Gus. With me, as always, is our biracial consigliere, Jay Show. Good morning, everybody. How's well, it going? Well, I should say my biracial consigliere. I thought you just said that. No, I said our, but our. there's nobody else here. It's just me. That we know of. Da, 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 da. Yep. We are in a new studio. Who's to know who else is in here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you got to do like in a horror movie. Go, hello? <laughs> oh, no. That means that, that means. So you just like signed your death warrant. Well, you know what's yeah. great? There was a TikTok mm-hmm. trend going around for a while. This girl mm-hmm. made up this video that's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. I think she's from like Scotland. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, Scotland. She goes, You ever watch a movie? And they're sitting there and go, Hello? He goes, What are they expecting? They just go, Yeah, I'm in the kitchen making a sandwich. You want one? <laughs> It's like, uh, I and it was funny when I heard that was because that was always my biggest pet peeve watching mm-hmm. horror movies. Mm-hmm. I would sit there and go, they go, hello? I said, when does that ever fucking work? See, that's why I could never uh, rock with horror movies. Like, okay, I know every genre has like its tropes yeah. and everything. I uh, get that. You mean but, like the black guy dies first? Yeah. There's so many tropes in horror movies that just get on my fucking nerves. Hey, but at least black people get into horror movies. Latinos don't even make the cut. Ah, like, cut. Uh, until recently. Scream is the most recent one. Honestly, that's been my biggest problem as well. Like, there's no Latino love in horror movies. No. Well, we're not we're not good enough to kill. I, I know, right? <laughs> well, you know why? They just they just know that we carry our own blade. Mm-hmm. See, that's the thing. you know what, and that's actually, that's an even bigger insult. It's funny you mention that because that's always yeah. been my thought. Like, okay, so you look at most of like the horror movie villains. Um, you know, Jason and all that and everything. Now, aside from the supernatural ones, like Jason and Freddy, there are usually, like, the ones from Scream and all that is usually some cheese dick with a knife. Exactly. And so, and it's like, okay, they're not unstoppable. They just kill dumb people. So, what what if you had someone that was like a Jason Bourne, John Wick type? Like, you think that, oh, he's going to be a victim and everything, and all of a sudden, like, you know, he's killing the I'm killer. I'm saying. The, yeah. Bro, nobody's even taking a self-defense course in any of these towns. Like, I mean. Like Sydney from Scream. <laughs> yeah. You would think she would take some Krav Maga. I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would think by the third movie, she yeah. would be like elite. Right, <laughs> like, right. I, I, I better learn, at, like, some Tai Bo or there something you go. and everything. Speaking of elite, story time with Gus. Mm. I'm stealing Adam Cole's bit. Uh-oh. <laughs> so... When we talked about uh, blades, mm-hmm. you know, Latinos with blades, mm-hmm. I remember I when I was younger, I was a bit of a, well, some people still say I am, a bit of a smartass. And, uh, well, uh, that last part. I know, you're sure. You, wow. Yeah, uh, so, oh, better to be a smartass than a dumb shit. <laughs> so, I forgot who it was, and somebody goes, because <laughs> they're trying to open a box, he goes, hey, you got a knife on you? I said, why? Because I'm Puerto Rican. And they're like, their face is like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, we all we all don't carry knives, yo. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't. But that day you left your knife at home. I, so. Hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, and there was another one that, I, I like I said, I love, okay, I'm one of the few people that like stereotypes because mm-hmm. I love to use it as as defense mm-hmm. uh, in a comical way where people mm-hmm. get like that look on their face like oh shit mm-hmm. what am i gonna say now mm-hmm. like when somebody goes oh could you help me get my keys out of my car lock them in my car why because i'm puerto rican <laughs> we all don't know how to break into cars motherfucker and they're like no no i didn't mean it that way you know what it's the i call it the serrano de bergiac defense yeah or like ak for um for steve martin fans the roxanne defense oh, and everything roxanne. uh where basically yeah. you could use like a stereotype about yourself or whatever like quote-unquote deformity and everything oh. and like 
use it as a weapon. So I, that's why I like to use as well and everything. Because uh, I remember, like, remember, like, uh, I told you about that one um, friend I used to have that thought, um, uh, what's it called? That I thought it wasn't black enough yeah. and everything. And I was like, why? Because I'm not shucking and jiving for you, or I don't have like you know a record or anything. Just <laughs> oh, put them. I, just put them on the defense. Put I, the spotlight on them. I don't have a demo in my pocket. Right. <laughs> I just, you'll you'll feel like station ever. You'll feel like Chang from Community when he was Peggy Fleming. Boom! You just been <laughs> moving racist by the racist prover. By the racist prover. <laughs> that was so funny. Right. Um, so. Oh, and speaking of horror movies, real quick, going back to that, mm-hmm. uh, my girlfriend and I just watched yesterday. Bro, I recommend it if you haven't watched this movie. Mm-hmm. It's called Fresh. 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 Mm-hmm. It's with Sebastian Stan uh-huh. and this girl who was in this movie called uh, uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. I can't remember her name. This beautiful English actress. She's a young uh, English actress, and she's oh, uh, she, uh, what's her name? Daisy Edgar Jones. That's the one. That is a very posh name. Yeah, she mm-hmm. you. She's the kind of person that you look at her, and it's like she looks like your plain Jane average girl. But then you go, no, but there's something about her, and you sit yourself staring at her, right? You know, not like, in a not in an awkward, you know, neck beard kind of way, right? But just going, more, there's something beautiful about her. More like the whole like. Um, Stevie Wonder is playing in the background. When exactly. <laughs> she, she, not because her characters are written that way, but she mm-hmm. is what I think of when you say like Mary Sue. You know what she is? She's Marianne from Gilligan's Island. Oh, okay. That's, that's what you could like compare. Grown, next, kind grown of next door high. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you put like the the uh, sexually charged ginger next to her, and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, you're hot, but yeah. she's cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, I like to say there's um, classy hot, mm-hmm. and then there's, uh, sexy hot or right. trashy hot, right? Or outwardly hot and quiet hot. There you go. You know what's a good because like Carmen yeah. Electra, yeah. she's trailer park hot. Like she, yeah, yeah. if she was like if you, if she worked at the uh, the Circle K or the Piggly Wiggly, mm-hmm. you'd be like, damn, that girl's fine. Yeah, or yeah. at the strip club. Because mm-hmm. let's face it, Carmen Electra looks like she. Stripper. Well, I mean, like she did <laughs> teach strip aerobics, right? And yeah. to me, like classy hot is like. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Emily Deschanel, mm-hmm. Bones. Yeah. She's, you look at her and she's like, that chick is classy mm-hmm. AF, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Well, and there's also the, um, well, you just mentioned it, like, you know, you're hot and, but like, it, I, I hate to use like um, traditional standards because it's so dumb yeah, and everything. Yeah, I hate it, like the numbering thing. Sometimes yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. go, oh, yeah. just to like use yeah. that as a reference. There, there, there's someone like, you know, because like beauty comes within a lot of forms. Because like, you know, I remember I took an art class like years, years ago and everything. And we were talking about the subject of beauty. And yeah. like did it, and that that lecture like made a whole lot of sense. Um, one example is uh, Dina from Superstore, Lauren yes. Ash. Yeah, I find her gorgeous, and the show paints her as like you know a ball buster, but that just makes her hotter. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you got a little kink on that too, though. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit. But the side from that is that you know, she, like you know, she takes charge. She doesn't take shit from anyone and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She ain't got no lips though. Yeah. <laughs> she got everything else there you go yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway yeah uh, something in the news that i wanted to bring up to you that i wanted to get your natural reaction so we didn't talk about it before mm. so florida man which one <laughs> in the latest florida man oh this was a goibles florida man yeah this one's kind of tragic oh boy um yeah. this dude in florida mm-hmm. he shot and killed three black people mm-hmm. at a dollar store a dollar general uh because they were black Jesus Christ. That's the only reason. Yeah. yeah. They said that he left racist-filled manifestos to his parents mm-hmm. and to and neighbors or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, took his Glock and his AR-style 
rifle. Mm-hmm. It's always an AR star rifle. <laughs> AR style. AR style. What the fuck? Yeah. That so, so just an AR fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, shot and killed three people because simply because they were black. Oh my god. Uh, and they, they put it this way: the sheriff that had the press conference to announce it, mm-hmm. and then I, he shot himself. Then the when the uh, the, the the sheriff who who had the press conference to announce what happened. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even read what was it was so race hate filled mm-hmm. his uh, his message that they wouldn't he wouldn't even read it. Oh wow! Yeah, but the really fucked up part was mm-hmm. that this dude was only in his twenties, so he's he's getting filled with all this shit in the media, right? Uh, but the really fucked up part was that yesterday in Washington they were celebrating King's Dream. Mm-hmm. There was a rally at the same well that same day it happened where uh, civil rights leaders like Everett Al Sharpton and so on were uh, in Washington celebrating uh, MLK's dream mm-hmm. speech. Uh, this dude had a Nazi swastika on his Glock. So Jeez. there you go with wow. that. Uh, simply said, the sheriff said he hated black people. Uh, he is, also goes on to say that he was in his 20s he had um, intended to do it all along. He had gotten the gun specifically to do that. And he wore a bullet-resistant vest and used a Glock handgun and an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle. He acted alone, and there was no evidence that he was part of a hate group. Uh, he sent written statements to the federal law enforcement and at least one media outlet shortly before the attack, with evidence suggesting the attack was intended to mark the fifth anniversary of the murder of two people during a video game tournament in Jacksonville by a shooter also killed, who also killed himself. So you remember a couple of years ago at that video game tournament where the guy uh, shot up the, the whole fucking uh, tournament? I actually haven't heard about oh, that. Oh, what? Dude, yeah, I would have thought a gamer like you would have found out about Ooh, it. Yeah, but then again, this is a mass shooting. Yeah, and there, like, there was one of those huge, big, giant video game tournaments like they hold. Mm. And dude, was it like an esports or yeah something yeah, like that? And yeah. dude just went in there and just started shooting people. Oh my god! Yeah, it was crazy. It was all over the news at the time too. Mm. Now they he uh, it's fucked up because he did this right, mm-hmm. and it was in the middle of the day. It was at like two p.m. And it, it goes to show you that people with their bullshit about uh, safety regulations, safety regulation that mm-hmm. I don't understand. Uh, what what would he oh let's put more cops in schools or whatever this you can't go to the movie theater you can't go anywhere these people all they were doing was shopping while brown yeah you know shopping oh what was their crime shopping while black yeah that's all it was it's and it's fucked up mm-hmm. and you won't see this on any right-wing media no. nobody's covering it on right-wing media i mm-hmm. all the reason i heard of this is because i watch tyt mm-hmm. which by the way they're fucking great mm-hmm. uh they're very, oh, the young turks yeah, yeah they're very middle of the road right. people go oh they're so left Mm-mm. they're so left that they can't stand Democrats. Right. That's how left they are. <laughs> they're like a, a serious daily show. Y- yeah. 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 Like, well, except for Chink Uger. The motherfucker's always yelling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, the dude went into a black neighborhood, put on his vest and a mask, went into a Dollar General, and just shot the first black people he saw. Jesus fucking and, Christ, man. And then... I want to see how these right-wing stupid motherfuckers try to spin this. Oh, no, no. They're going to do... Well, it's like what you said. Like, they're not covering it. Well, one, because they know that he is a product of their media. Like, you could tell that this dude is a full-blown right-winger. Well, and the thing is, they won't cover it. But Mm -hmm. what they'll do is they'll come up with something like, 
oh, well, you know, Hunter Byron's laptop. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll do the whole whataboutism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look over there. Look over there. No, yeah, it's like when a parent wants to hide candy from a kid. Yeah. What's that over there? Well, cause, you know what it is? It's because this is a prime example of the GOP's failings. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Because this is an example of the racist rhetoric that they're supporting. And also... The fact that he's easily able to get like a you know an assault rifle and a handgun, yep, because of them, like he's a product of them, and they don't admit that. Yeah, we're we the cause up. of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah. yeah, we 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 done fucked up. Because like, how many times have the uh, Democrats have tried to like push for um, mental health checks? Oh, when, yeah. when it comes to like uh, background checks for like uh, gun owners, you don't need mental health checks. Yeah, you know, Second Amendment. Right, and then um, also you know putting more security, putting more cops, whatever. That means. That doesn't mean shit in the long run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of GOP fuck-ups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this week, there was the first uh, Republican. We're recording this uh, ahead. This uh, this week, there was a Republican GOP nominee uh, debate, the first one. Mm -hmm. Oh, that that uh, Dumpf didn't show up to. Yeah, Trump didn't show up because mm -hmm. he said, oh, I don't need to. <laughs> because I'm that, I mean, I'm, I'm that guy. But anyway, so you know how the, you like to say that the GOP likes the cell phone? Mm -hmm. So they used a song from this up-and-coming artist who is a self-producing artist as their uh, intro song, mm -hmm. not realizing that the song was actually speaking about them. Oh, no. It's a song called Rich Man North of Richmond. The dude is from Virginia, right? And he he writes his own songs. He bought a plot of land that he sits there. Uh, and he he self published self self records songs that he puts out on YouTube, and then he 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 put a song out, and the Republicans thought it was like a gotcha to Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. But the lyrics read that he goes, "It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to people for like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and not be true, but it is." But it is. And then he talks about the rich man from Richmond. Or the rich man north of Richmond. He's speaking about everybody in Washington. Mm -hmm. So when they played his song, he put a YouTube video out and he says, I said, he goes, it's funny that they put my song on before they came out. He goes, I'm talking about those people on the stage when I'm singing <laughs> the song. Because he's talking about all rich people. Mm -hmm. The song, if you read the lyrics, and I, I don't know them verbatim, but I, I'm going to uh, paraphrase. He, he talks about how the the rich are holding us down and that the rich use the poor uh to do all their work for them but they tax their dollar more than anybody while they're getting away with murder uh his name is oliver anthony and he the name of the song is rich men north of rich men mm -hmm. he doesn't lean left or right mm -hmm. if you listen to the lyrics he's talking mm -hmm. about all rich politicians in washington so that cracks me up that they use this as a gotcha against liberals because wh why do the gop think that they're not the one percent like we've seen what their houses look like we've seen that, okay that's hilarious to me that they think they're oh he's a man of the people what people rich white people right <laughs> see that's the thing like republicans have never been um, men of the people you know like it just reminds, not as long as i've been alive right and it just reminds me of when uh when john mccain had like what was his face joe the plumber he was supposed oh, to be yeah. an avatar for the working man yeah that was so fucking tone deaf so it just cracks me up when they still keep this facade uh, you know this facade of yeah. you know um where like oh we're just like you now excuse yeah. me i'm gonna go to my connecticut country club <laughs> yeah where well, you can't go uh, there's a they're comparing him uh to, you know who woody guthrie is 
Mm. Woody Guthrie wrote the the song "This Land Is Your Land." Oh, okay. This land okay. is I've my land. I've heard that song, land. but I never. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's a it's an anthem. It's a it's a folk song for America, mm-hmm. and that's what this dude created. It's a modern day take on that. Mm-hmm. And he's not talking about left right. He's talking about everyone. Like in it, he talks about there's poor people on the street dying of hunger. And he talks about all that. Speaking of, to segue, mm-hmm. the, speaking of, my girlfriend brought to my attention something that we haven't seen, that in 2021, yes, while a Democrat was in office, the United Nations voted on food security and if food is a right or a privilege. And every country voted in favor of it being considered a right, mm-hmm. except for one country. I'll give you one guess who it was. The United States of America? Yes, it is. Oh, boy. It, their, their statement was that it, although they support the everybody have the ability to get food, mm-hmm. that it, the, it, in other words, they paraphrased it to, to say, or they phrased it to say that they're not obligated to help people, to feed people. That, yeah, they believe that people have the right to food, but they don't have the right to give it to them. Like, it's not their place to give people food. So we have people dying of hunger every day. There's a stat that says an average of 10 to 10 to 15 uh, dishoused people die every day mm-hmm. from hunger or from or from the elements. Mm-hmm. There's people who live in their work full time, but they can't afford somewhere to live. So they live out of their car and they're dying of hunger. In this country, the richest country of the world, America is great. See, and, that, and, that, and that's so fucking sociopathic for them to think because they're elected to serve the people, yeah. to serve their needs financially, um, medical, any t- you know, all you know, all fields and everything. That's what they're elected for. But then they're, ju- <laughs> but then they're just saying, "Oh, sucks to be you, bro." I'm saying, yeah, and see. Honestly, and that's what that's what people that's why I feel like is missing when it comes to like leadership. They people think that when you're the boss, that what you say goes. Um, you know, they all have to know to you to you and everything. Like a real leader is someone who serves the people. Like, listen, I'm a, I'm you know I'm elected leader. I'm the boss, but I'm here for your needs. Oh no, exactly. There yeah. there was a it was instilled in me from a young age uh, by people I worked for that you don't ask anyone to do that follows you or that you lead that what you wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like all my career in any field I've worked in, mm-hmm. uh, I used to work on cell phone towers one time and uh, cell, cell phone sites. And there was one time where we had a to climb up six stories inside a old elevator shaft from the, like the 19... 19- 20s mm-hmm. uh on a ladder that was no wider than me mm-hmm. and the space to climb in was barely big enough to fit a, a, an adult male and it was dark pitch black and i was like i started putting on my gear and one of my guys goes what are you doing i was like i'm gonna climb up mm-hmm. he goes but you you're the boss i'm like i said first don't ever call me that mm-hmm. uh <laughs> that's a four-letter word because mm-hmm. it is you count the letters yeah. word. i was like second i was like i'm not gonna ask any of you guys to put your life in danger not knowing what's up there without me going up there first i said i'll go up there if it's safe then y'all can go mm-hmm. and as simple as that mm-hmm. and and it was a good thing i did because i had uh wrench turners wrench turners are guys who are sweet guys mm-hmm. but they know how to turn wrenches and they know how to f- fixings but they don't know how to problem solve mm-hmm. that's why i was in charge mm-hmm. uh so i went up there and there was a problem with the shaft that <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> penis that, that, that we had to kind of 
it's going to sound even more sexual, kind of had to maneuver through it to try to get the shaft, you know, up the shaft. <laughs> it's not getting better. But anyway, I had, and I, they would have, no way they would have been able to figure it out. So, because we, we tried to uh, feed the rope down from the roof and it wasn't reaching the basement. So mm. long story short, I had to climb through it. Anyway, so you never ask anybody to do something you're not willing to do. Or in Washington, it's kind of the opposite mm. where it, it's kind of like, to compare it to people in pop culture would reference it, it's like the WWE, where Vince McMahon tells you, oh, I'm going to tell you what you like. Mm-hmm. And people are going, no, no, you listen to the fans, hear right. what they like. They hear the, they get this wrestler that comes out, and the crowd is popping. They love him. He goes, oh, we're going to bury that guy. But the crowd loves him. Yeah, yeah, they don't know what they like. And that's politicians. <laughs> right. I mean, Vince McMahon, I think, would have made a great politician. Oh, I mean, like, you know, lying, the affairs, like the bribes. I mean, like, he was yeah. built for Washington from the get-go. Dump is his best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's all there. She even worked for, a, his wife even worked for a... Oh, that's right. Trumpy dump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway... That's 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 the that's what's in the news today that brought to my attention and interest. I just think the whole thing where people are going hungry in this country mm-hmm. and there are food deserts. Uh, if you don't know what a food desert is, a food desert is basically where people live where there's not uh, affordable food near them or what's available around them is really not good for them. Uh, there's people. I, I saw this video. This lady says she literally has to drive 45 minutes from where she lives to get to a Walmart. See. That's why it cracks me up when we say, like, oh, we're the richest country in the world and everything. So why are people starving and dying? Because that does they, it sound they, like a rich country? Well, because they don't pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Oh, well, shit. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, when you cut off their bootstraps, it's really kind of hard. Now. Hell, they don't even have fucking boots. <laughs> I can't afford motherfucking boots. Right. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I can't even I can't even afford a pair of Well, Nikes are expensive. I mm. can't afford a pair of Nikes, but they're fucking ridiculous. Yeah, they are. Anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and get into our topic after this break. We'll be right back. And we're back. For those of you who didn't know that, that was the iconic intro to The Fiend. Mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about... It's kind of sad news, but we want to go ahead and pay our tribute to. Unfortunately, we recently lost a phenomenal performer. Uh, As you guys know, I am a former professional wrestler uh, many years ago. And I consider myself still to be a mark. And I'm a former professional wrestler, but I'm still, I can get back in the ring if I wanted to. My back won't let me, but anyway. And of course, Jay Shell is a huge mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, huge, big, giant. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Recently, we tragically lost a Bray Wyatt, um, whose real name is Wyndham Rotunda. Uh, and unfortunately, he lost his life at 36 years old. Uh, way too young. It's mm-hmm. 14 years younger than me, dude. It's like, he was younger than you. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's insane to think yeah. uh, somebody at that age. And, and I mean, in in physical health because right. they're wrestlers, but unfortunately you never know what's inside of somebody. Mm-hmm. He, um, from what they released was that he had contracted COVID and mm-hmm. see people like COVID is bullshit. It's a lie. Mm-hmm. He contracted COVID earlier this year or later, late last year. Mm-hmm. And it exasperated a, see, that's the thing. The COVID isn't what you got to worry about. It's the shit that happens after COVID is just pretty much a booster. Yeah. yeah. It exasperated his, uh, 
It was a heart condition. His, a heart, yeah. a pre- pre-existing mm-hmm. or congenital heart condition, which mm-hmm. caused him to have a heart attack mm-hmm. and die at 36 years old, leaving behind a uh, partner, uh, Jojo Offerman, and four kids, four kids. Mm-hmm. He had, I believe, two or three. No, he had th- two. It was his previous wife and then two with Jojo. Uh, from all intents and purposes, from what I've seen online, he was a good family man. Mm-hmm. Everybody had something good to say about him. The wrestling world as a community forgot about the forbidden doors for one day, and they were uh, they were honoring him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I watched uh, SmackDown, and they played it. They played it. They they, they did a, a really good tribute to him. Uh, they even brought out Eric Redbeard, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Eric Rowan, Eric yeah. Rowan yeah. from uh, the Wyatt family. They brought mm-hmm. him there to be there. The for last her. existing Wyatt member for. Wide well, number. no, Braun Strowman. Remember, oh, he was the black. Right. He was yeah, the black yeah, yeah. sheep. He was the black sheep, and yeah. and technically, uh, Brian uh, Brian Danielson. Technically, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. on paper. Oh, well, and Randy Randy Orton, if you want to count him, and I really don't. Matt, but Hart, anyway. Matt Hardy. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, his death was extremely shocking. It was uh, because, it, like you know, um, as stated, you know, he was only thirty six year old. Blah, thirty six years old. Yeah. And still in the prime of his career, honestly. And I think he had way more to give. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he had way more to give. Mm-hmm. He was only, it was the tip of the iceberg. I mean, he's been around forever and people feel like its he's been around. That's why he felt older than 36 because mm-hmm. uh, I remember with Nexus and he was uh, Husky Harris. Oh, God. So, so he's yeah. been around, I mean, I mean, he's been around the wrestling world his whole life because well, yeah. his father is the... Famous Mike Rotunda of the American Express. Mm-hmm. That was their name. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, his also his like um grandfather. his grandfather was Black Jack Mulligan. Black Jack Mulligan. His his, fa- his uncles Barry Windham and and uh, Kendall. Will, uh, no, uh, yeah, uh, his uncles were Barry Barry and Kendall. Uh, yep. Windham and his brother Bo Leaves. <laughs> Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas. But no, yeah, he. So yeah, a third generation professional wrestler, and yeah. so he's been in the business his whole life, which is not not a shock that. He was so knowledgeable about the business when it ter- came to character work, to promos. Like, the man was a creative genius. Yeah. Natalia gave a sweet tribute. She was talking about that she remembered back to when they were kids and they used to go trick-or-treating together. Mm-hmm. That's how, because, I mean, her 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 father's Jim Neinhart. Yeah, so two uh, wrestling dynasties. Two wrestling up. dynasties, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody talks about Dwayne Johnson because, of course, he's the most famous mm-hmm. person on earth i think i think there's nowhere on the planet that right but he's the most well-known third generation right uh, but, wrestler, yeah. but there's so many other dynasties and there's so many other people mm-hmm. uh who i think my my opinion the mm-hmm. wwe missed the boat uh they had them together at fcw they missed the boat on uh him and bo dallas being together see yeah i honestly i was hoping that they would do an angle where you know bo dallas we know because bo started becoming like a jobber yeah as soon as he made the jump from nxt and people weren't taking him seriously and i would have thought it would have been so invigorating to his career as right. well as his character is if that he became a white family member wait you didn't believe <laughs> are you not a believer apparently vince wasn't that's why he came- <laughs> But no, it would have been great to like, um, to like see like him like uh, trying to like uh, basically like a ben- um, step away from like his family's dark past, which is why he does the whole like believe Sunny character and everything. See, that would have been money right there. And honestly, I, that was one of the tragic parts about um, Bray Wyatt's career was like all of these up and down pushes. 
And because, like, the fans backed him, like, immensely. Like, can you remember um, the uh, build-up to his WrestleMania match with John Cena? Where he would always sing, he's got the whole world bro, oh, in his hands. That, and the cell phone lights, whenever yeah, he and the white family would the come fireflies, out. The fireflies, bro. The fireflies. The fireflies, man. Like, this guy, this man was insanely over. He, okay, he was Husky Harris. That mm-hmm. wasn't getting over. The Nexus imploded. He went back down and he reinvented himself. And he did two matches as this mask kind of like serial killer type. Mm-hmm. That didn't go over. So then he took time off, and then that's when they came up with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was because of his, one of his mentors. One of his mentors was one of his uncle's old friends, uh, Danny Spivey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to do a character named Waylon. Waylon oh, Jennings. No, not Waylon Jennings. That's a singer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Waylon Mercy. Waylon Mercy, yeah. And How it, funny would it be if it's actually like Waylon Jennings <laughs> as a serial killer? And Waylon Mercy, they based it on, I don't know if you ever saw Cape Fear. Well, of course. Robert De Niro's character in Cape Fear. Yeah. And so he's kind of like this cultish leader. Mm-hmm. And so he took that character and amped it up to 20, mm-hmm. and it became Bray Wyatt. And it was a uh, it was perfect too because it tapped into the not only like the the, uh, the Cape Fear uh, Max Katie was the character yep uh, char- um, character but also though it had a very like Rob Zombie horror movie vibe to it, it like it, those like well they all look that way too yeah <laughs> right like he was basically a yoked Rob Zombie and it was like the those movies about like the backwater cults yeah. or quote unquote families Fa- yeah like yeah. Um, Luke Harper aka Brody. Lee. Uh, he lost his life unfortunately a few years back mm-hmm. uh, also resulting from a heart condition mm-hmm. uh, that they didn't it, it, it they say it may have come from COVID as well because it was a an issue that caused the hardening of his lungs and heart mm-hmm. uh, literally your heart and lungs start to harden mm-hmm. like the muscle starts to harden and that's what unfortunately took his life at a young age too he was 41 mm-hmm. uh, People say, oh, 41's not really that young. If you think about it now, the average big star in the WWE is 40. Yeah. AJ Styles. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman Reigns is 39. Yep. So LA Knight. LA Knight is, is 40. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the thing is that they were young, relatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going back to it, he, re- he invented the Bray Wyatt character with Danny Spivey, and it took off in FCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they created the Wyatt family. Because if you look at Brody Lee, he kind of looks like he lives in the backwoods oh yeah even back uh, in his uh indie days oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, right when he was brody lee yeah uh, before he became luke harper yeah uh and then they united them with eric redbeard or eric uh eric Rowan, Rowan, yeah and he just fit too it oh just, yeah that whole like basically it's like the gathering of the beards bro, it you like, know what i'm it, saying it looked like the, hill, yeah. the hills have eyes but it <laughs> yeah and that actually that's one of the movies i was like, actually gonna bring up is like one of the things that inspired that yeah as well as like the family from texas chainsaw massacre you could definitely yeah, tell you could see that yeah, you could definitely tell that bray was definitely a horror movie fan um and a fan of cinema in general because his the way he presented his character his promos and everything yeah. did feel like a movie well and, and the thing is that his voice lent to that because yeah. his his it came off as like an intellectual superiority even though i'm from the backwards i will speak to you in forms he, that you will not understand he he ba- he was basically a preacher and, oh, and definitely a, a, yeah definitely and he was. had that very cadence and i remember um 
when he had that, uh, when he was doing a promo with uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. He says, Jerry, can you come into the ring, please? <laughs> and he's like, oh, don't you dare do anything, Michael Cole. Don't you dare. And yeah. I, it, that whole segment was so captivating like yeah. he could definitely hold the audience in the palm of his hand well he's got the whole oh, world and honestly he, hands. he could have been the next undertaker Pretty, oh, like I, that whole like okay. he brought he brought the supernatural element yep. back into the um into the wwe and then the thing is once they thought that bray wyatt was losing steam they turned it he he, he reinvented himself again mm-hmm. Uh, when they invented the fiend, mm-hmm. uh, and the thing is with the fiend, it was it, it it was. I think it took back it harkened back to the day. I said harken mm-hmm. uh, back to the days of New Japan when you had uh, Kenji Muto, mm-hmm. but then you had the Great Muta. Yeah, and people like to give uh, Finn Balor credit for doing the similar thing, but that was Bray Wyatt too. You have Bray Wyatt, but then you had the Fiend. See, and that, see, that was the thing. Like you know, a lot of people would also credit like Undertaker yeah. for bringing in a supernatural element into wrestling. Oh, absolutely. But no, Japan did that because Japan took a lot of like cues from anime. Yeah. And they would always have characters who were supernatural or alternate, super heroic, alternate, alternate ego, alternate right. uh, egos. Yeah, so yeah alter, alter egos, egos, alter egos, like a, yeah. like you know, Tiger Mask, the Great Sasuke. Yep. And so, honestly, I felt like Hayabusa. Hayabusa, yeah. And now that we mention it, there were like rumors, like yeah. among like the dirt sheets and whatever, that um, when uh, Brave was released from WWE back in 2021, right. that he was going to make the the uh, move to New Japan. He would Which I think it. he would have killed it. Oh, he would have killed it. Not only like was he a great promo, but you, um, but his whole character work would have fit well in Japan, especially with the supernatural well, element with the fiend. His grandfather was huge in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, his grandfather was huge everywhere, but mm-hmm. uh, no, nobody who's a wrestling fan doesn't know who Blackjack Mulligan is. Mm-hmm. If you if you tell somebody they are uh, who Blackjack Mulligan is and they don't know as a wrestling fan, take their card. Uh, they are very young. And learned wrestling on their own, and they weren't uh, brought up by somebody who who enjoys wrestling. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember back in Monday <laughs> when you when you when I saw guys like Blackjack Mulligan, Blackjack Lonza, and uh, I hate that's why I hated when they did the new Blackjacks. Yeah, I was like, dude, Barry Windham. I know that was his dad, but come on, man. You know, he was he was one of those great Gaijin talent, like along with him yeah. and um, Stan, Stan Hansen. Yeah, Stan Hansen, and along with somebody we're going to talk about in a bit, uh, the Funkster. Yep, Terry Funk. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like you know, they represented like that very bombastic, violent American. They were America you and said, everything. Oh, you said bombastic. I said yeah. bombardment. <laughs> Simpsons reference. Right, right. But you know, actually, and I think that's why Vince wanted to give uh, Bray um, or Wyndham that whole Husky Harris uh, gimmick oh, because it was supposed to be like a tribute to Black Jack and Mulligan and all that. And which is was a it really of, though? Well, here's the thing. It's a kiss of death for a third generation or second generation wrestler to like have their father or grandfather's gimmick because it, it's a kiss of death when anyone, not even if they're like, let's 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 uh, list it off. The new rockers, mm-hmm. come on. Well, no, it's it's a doubly <laughs> kiss of death because now you have that pressure of your um your past generation. True, but yes. whenever you put new or yeah. like point or two point on a tag team, yeah, kiss or or. 
the year, like yeah. LOD 2000. Come on. Or NWO, um, like Silver and Black and everything. <laughs> or yeah. a very, one that people don't really talk about, the mm. new Midnight Express. Yeah. Remember them? Mm-hmm. It was uh, Hardcore Holly and uh, fucking the dude that won, that won the Brawl for All. Oh, uh, Bart Gunn. Bart Gunn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they were the new, they were the new yeah. Midnight Express. Actually, I think uh, um, D- uh, Brian Zane from Rest of Regret had a show about that, yeah. like the curse of the new or of like the next generation and everything. <laughs> well, there was but, also yeah. Techno Team Two Thousand, which were second generation wrestlers, and they sucked. It was too. Eric Watson, who else? some other dude. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, but but like yeah, so they when they when he tried to saddle Bray with that Husky Harris gimmick, you knew full well that wasn't going to get over because he was just a generic like you know big white guy. And everything. What buried everyone in the Nexus, mm-hmm. and they all had to work their way back, was John Cena. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard oh, I Ed, Edge or Chris Jericho tell the story. Oh, yeah. Where they were, uh, John wanted to, like, basically just, like, super Cena throughout it all. And they said, like, no, that's dumb. That's don't dumb. Do it. Well, they yeah. told him that he shouldn't have done it. And he yeah. done did it. He, and he beat, big, like, six of them on his own. And that was his biggest regret. To this yeah. day, he says, like, I wish I would have put them over. Yeah, that's when they started calling him Super Cena. Yeah. I was like, come on, dude. Yeah. And honestly, it's it's great that... Uh, well, because it was the same situation with The Rock when yeah. he was Rocky Maivia. Oh, God. So, and just like... Die, Rocky, die. Right? <laughs> that, yeah, of course, that didn't go over. And of course, The Rock reinvented himself. And Bray Wyatt did the same thing. And like, he was yep. an example of like, when you let the talent do their thing, great things happen. And that's exactly what we got. And so, what I loved about Bray's character was that how adaptable it was. Yep. And but I loved the lore behind it. I love when wrestlers create their own. Oh, the universe. fiend, yeah. Because like like how Matt Hardy did and everything, and so when he created the whole the back uh, backstory. Oh, with the was, rabbit and the, ra- yeah, was it Sister Abigail? Sister Abigail, you know, it, it gave that air of mystery. Like, but who Sister, is Abigail, Sister Abigail, yeah, but Sister Abigail was his thing from the beginning because mm-hmm. he would always talk about it, and it always I left you wondering. He would go, "My friend, Sister Abigail has told me," and you're like, "Who the fuck is this Sister Abigail?" And then we're gonna think like, "Oh, is he gonna possess someone to become Sister Abigail?" So we're thinking yeah. like, "Oh, will Becky Lynch become Sister Abigail?" Alexa Bliss, well, Alexa it, Bliss, yeah. For a while, it was rumored that it was gonna be Paige. Which would have uh, worked. Yeah, it would have worked. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, recently someone said that they were almost Sister Abigail uh, when they started manifesting them as real, mm-hmm. like, you know, the rabbit and all that. Mm-hmm. It was um, Mike Canellis. Wait, Mike Canellis <laughs> was going to be Sister Abigail? Yeah. <laughs> he said that he was going to be Sister Abigail before he got released from the WWE. That would have been dumb. It would have been stupid. Yeah, yeah. I think the best choice would have been probably Paige. Oh, uh, yeah. Or bring in someone new. Take somebody out of uh, the Indies, yeah. Not even out of the Indies, out of the uh, out of the the system, out of WWE. I mean, oh, NXT. No, no, NXT. Oh. Take somebody out of NXT and mm-hmm. make them Sister Abigail. Somebody who has like a, or you know who would have been great as a Sister Abigail? What's mm-hmm. that chick from TNA? I didn't mean to say chick in a derogatory way. Yeah. The one that does like the dead gimmick. Oh, um, with the with Su- the white out eyes. Oh, uh, was it a uh, Su uh, Young? Su Young. Yeah. Or even the one from uh, uh, AEW. Mm-hmm. You, you know her. Oh, the, uh, Abaddon. That. One. Yeah. Or um, somebody like that. Rosemary too. She would have been great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what? When it was going on, I that's who I said would have been the perfect sister Abigail was Rosemary. Yeah, because she gives that creepy fucking look, and she does yeah. it really well. Well, you know what the great thing, and you know Bray along with Rosemary Sue Young, like they brought and Abaddon, they brought like this new generation of supernatural characters, yeah. like they're based on like you know the recent horror movies, and so 
and it wasn't like cartoon like they were cartoonish but not cartoonish if you know what i mean not over the top not over cartoonish. the top they were it was basically like when you play like you know survival horror games yeah. like resident evil silent kind of remind you of the silent hill nurses oh yeah absolutely yeah yeah that body's all contorted mm-hmm. but going back real quick what was i liked about um uh, bray wyatt sorry mm-hmm. tongue's hurting <laughs> tongue is hurting mm-hmm. bray wyatt was Yes, he created this so unique for the time character because a lot of people, um, after the kayfabe wall came down, everybody's mm-hmm. like, a lot of people except for The Undertaker went away with characters and, and started pulling back the curtain even more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, what Bray Wyatt want to kind of take it back to where it used to be in a sense. And he did a great job with it. Mm-hmm. What was, you know, was a hit about him from Jump? Everyone knew his music. I used to, mm-hmm. I thought it was hot when he first came out of, and you hear that, bah! and then all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden the song, boom, and all the lights would go down, and then the vocals. Everybody, and, that was fucking hot. And, and you see the crowd, they got their cell phone lights as the fireflies, and yeah. everybody was vibing. You know what I'm saying? Like when people vibe to your entrance music, yep. that's knowing when you're over. Just like Finn Balor when he first came out and the whole crowd throws their hands up in the yep. air with him and Ben goes, oh, that's not over. What are you, fucking stupid? Right. <laughs> well, you know what? And you know what made it great? It was that it, it made like the whole WWE universe and wrestling fans in general part of the cult. Yep. You are now part of the, the Wyatt you family. You are part of the family. And, and you know, and I, I you know, love Bray Wyatt. I loved his character and everything. And so why it just pissed me off so much when Vince would cut off his legs. Oh, dude, he, because was, he it, would fucking bury him left and right. Because he would get such great momentum going. Yeah. Like, honestly, he should have been the one that end Undertaker streak. Oh, I, well, it yeah. It, at the time, uh, nobody wanted to do it. Well, yeah. Like, well, yeah, I don't know if you've heard the story about Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. Angle, he was, all of them said, like, and nope, Edge, yeah. Nope. Well, here's here's the thing. Like, not not the year that it was ended. Not 2014. Oh, you mean later on. Later on. on. Yeah. So, I honestly, because, like, they, um, he should have won that match against Cena. A passing of the torch, as they would say. Right. Yeah. And, um, which I'm glad that Cena did the honors um, during, like, uh, the, it was the WrestleMania during COVID. Like, 2020. Oh, the, uh. The theatrical yeah. match. Yeah. And honestly, I felt that was Cena making amends. Yeah. But also, it showed off how amazing Bray Wyatt, his creativity was. Especially yeah. during a time when the whole world was shut down. They were able to, like, unleash him and get creative. Yeah, but they didn't take it over the top, like, you know, right. like Cena evil. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm saying, but no. no but but Cena, yeah. what, what Cena said about that match was it's probably the most fun he ever had. Oh, absolutely. Well, because it's like it made his character vulnerable. It showed that what he could do. Yeah. And the whole like, um, it was like a dark version of this is your life. Yeah. Because it showed Cena when like he first debuted, mm-hmm. and then his thugonomics gimmick, his Super Cena gimmick, it all turned it on its head yeah. to show this like you know yeah you're on top of the world but you will never have respect and everything. but I I think Kendall uh, excuse me sorry Wyndham mm-hmm. Wyndham would have made a great actor because like mm-hmm. he when he I'm not gonna lie I kind of I, I like I, I still kind of bop to uh, when he started, we're really glad that you're our oh, friend yeah, yeah. oh yeah this is a friendship <clears throat> that'll never ever end Actually, I'm like yeah. that and then all of a sudden he goes he's like hi boys and girls he's yeah. all happy and then he's like let me in and his right. changes his face and like 
Dude. <laughs> Honestly, actually, it's funny you mention that because I would have thought that he would have had the best post-wrestling career in Hollywood because the dude is a creative goldmine. Well, you know uh, who he, created the Fiend Mask was Tom Savini with him. Uh, tech, it was actually one of his students. Oh, uh, but, yeah, well, but, but, but yeah. Tom Savini did The Tom Savini supervise, school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But no, but it, he, he already has like that connection to like the horror yep. genre. And so he would have been, um, what was his name? Tom Haig, the, who, uh, who, um, who was Captain Spaulding? Uh yeah, uh, it's not Haig. Sid, Sid Haig. Haig. Sid Haig. Sid he Haig. would have been the new Sid Haig. Um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, because he could have created like Captain a, a, Happy. Ca- yeah, Captain Happy, or like he could have created like a whole like um, movie universe. I mean, if you think about it, those characters that he created for uh, the Fun Time mm-hmm. Playhouse, what was it? Fun? Yeah, it, he it were kind of fucking creepy. Yeah. Which, by the way, Waylon uh, Mercy. Uh-huh. That was the buzzard. Yeah, it was his name was Waylon Mercy, the buzzard. Mm. He he created those after other people who like like you've seen the Vince McMahon character, the one with the double horns. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then there was, I love that. It was like a, I love like how like um, meta. Um, yeah, the fun t- fun house, and the pig was harking back to his days as Husky Harris. Yep, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> so, and that was genius, man. Like it takes uh, a lot of creativity to. Um, incorporate so many references yeah. subtly when it's not on the nose and everything. And tell me you didn't laugh your ass off when he did. Was it the Husky Man dance or the the dance mm. when he's like doing the dance? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this fucking show but is hilarious. What I love, so like, he was funny and he could be creepy. Yeah. yeah, and but no, but like you know, and um, I loved before they you know of course fucked it up at WrestleMania. I loved his partnership with Alexa Bliss, like. I'm not really a fan of Alexa as a wrestler. Yeah. However, as a promo, as um, as a worker, as a character, as a character, she was phenomenal yeah. because, like, you know, she was the, you know, your um, the way she transformed from like Alexa Bliss, like yeah. you know, the bitchy, like you know, cheerleader, cheerleader yeah. type, to this woman who was possessed, who was under like the charm yeah. of Bray Wyatt. And that crazy shit she could do with her arm helps too. Yeah. Like she's got that double jointed elbow where she could turn it the other way. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh. You know, <laughs> you know what that whole partnership reminded me of? Um, it was, um, what was it called? Darkstalkers. Um, as, as folks may or may not know, Darkstalkers was from the creators of Street Fighter. And it was basically Street Fighter with horror movie creatures, like the werewolf, the mummy, the vampire, all that. Yeah. And there was a Demon King uh, character named uh, Jetta, who was like a Grim Reaper type. And he uh, had this relationship with um, Lilith, who was like a little succubus. She was a mm. pixie, <laughs> innocent looking succubus. Uh, that word just gets me. I know, time. but I mean, it works with it considering. But anyway, yeah. they like they had like almost like this very like dark sexual like tension type of like uh, partnership. Yeah. And then that was the same thing with Bray and Alyssa. You have like this demon, this giant looking dude, this monstrous looking dude. And then you have like this the little beautiful pixie, yeah. pixie girl and everything. Yeah. It was perfect. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, WWE, you know, Vince fucked that up by yeah. having um, that whole, that box-like contraption. And then you have uh, Alexa bleeding black blood from her head. Yeah. And then that gave the win to Randy Orton because... That was stupid, yeah. Um, Bray was distracted. And then they set him on fire. 
Come yeah. On. Okay. Well, first of all, why would Bray be distracted by something supernatural like that? That's his bag. Yeah. That's his thing. And he's like, so for him to see that, I'm like, he should have been like, oh, another Tuesday. Anyway. <laughs> well, I think what it should have been was that that hyped him up. And they oh, yeah. just grabbed Randy Orton, hit him with like three Sister Abigails. And, yeah. You know, which, by the way, Sister Abigail still fucking slaps. It's such, the move slaps. Oh, it's such a great finisher. That yeah. whole like. The it, kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, uh, so I love the, uh, I love finishers that you can use in a fight in yeah. real life. That one, I could definitely see you throwing on someone. Oh, yeah, grabbing them and just fucking tossing them face first into the ground. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't look like that the other person has to go with it. No. Nope. It looks like you could actually do Pull that. Pull them. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, there will never be another person like him because he brought everything of himself mm -hmm. into the character. And it was a genre that he loved. I think that Kevin Nash doesn't say very many wise things. Mm -hmm. uh, but one of the things he says is the, the best thing is to take a person's character that of themselves and amp it up to 11. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened with The Rock. Mm -hmm. That's what happened with Stone Cold Steve Austin. What happened with Cena. Cena. You take the person who they really are and just amp it up. Mm -hmm. And that, just like Kevin Nash, he was fucking oz vinnie vegas he was vinnie vegas he was yeah. that other uh Diesel. master blaster yeah De <laughs> master i remember you remember master those blaster. the master yeah, yeah. blasters yeah and then he became diesel and diesel was all right it was kind of over mm -hmm. he was he wasn't world champion material because he couldn't sell tickets yeah but when they let him become kevin nash and be the outsider with scott hall mm -hmm. and let them loose it it just went it went bananas well, yeah. just like Scott Hall Scott Hall when he became Razor Ramon mm -hmm. he was being Scott Hall yeah. but with a Spanish accent yeah he was doing a uh, Tony Montana right. impression which is funny because Vince McMahon has never seen or heard he of had Scarface, no idea who it so was. he thought that was all from, original uh, all original yeah, yeah. but you know it, uh, um, but Bray was being his genuine self because he is a fan of horror movies he mm -hmm. is a fan of like tom savini and uh rick baker mm -hmm. so he took his love and mm -hmm. incorporated it into his work and that's why i think it was done so well and he was able to adapt it into different eras yeah. so you had the wired family and then you had the fiend and then um the uncle howdy and yep. all that honestly i f i feel that bray um, had a lot of uh, left in his tank oh, so and his much. career, and so he so could have he could have taken this to uh, impact. Yep. Um, where he he could have oh my god he would have done so much um, great work with um well with a uh, crazy Steve yeah. Rosemary Sue. They said he was young. training to come back. Yeah. Uh, to the WWE, and he I, was. Yeah. Me, if I were fantasy booking. Mm. I would have brought him in and two people who are not being very utilized well right now mm -hmm. are Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano. Mm -hmm. And I would have saw I would have put Bray Wyatt to feud with Johnny Gargano over yeah. Dexter Loomis. Mm -hmm. Because Dexter Loomis has that serial killer kind of gimmick. Yeah. It was and like a based on like a Dexter and Patrick De Bateman yeah, from American yeah, Psycho. Exactly. So yeah. what I would have done is kind of have them battling over the soul of Dexter Loomis. Mm -hmm. You know, you could see it, Bray Wyatt. You belong with the family. Or um, I could also see um, Bray working and really helping out uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett. Them too. Yeah, because Karrion Cross, just like um, Wyndham, 
is a horror movie fan. Yeah. And so those two horror movie um, uh, fans, the, that collective mind would have done so much great work. Oh, absolutely. Or you could have even done it where Carrying uh, Cross mm-hmm. is because people love Bray Wyatt. Yeah. He could have came back and been Bray again, mm-hmm. not The Fiend. And or what was the last thing? Uncle Howdy, but, uh-huh. but be Bray Wyatt because mm-hmm. the last promo that I, I that I saw him, I don't know if you watched it when he came out and he was his authentic self and thanked the crowd for their love and support mm-hmm. when he resigned. You could have Karrion Cross with his whole TikTok thing, mm-hmm. and then Bray Wyatt be the face to him. Yeah, you know, think about it. You talk about the time is up. But my time has only just begun. See, you know, yeah. you know, actually, that uh, that would have been great because um, Karrion Cross, um, not really a good promo. He's a good big man. Yeah, but not really a good promo, which is why they have Scarlet there. Yep. Uh, but I could have seen them as a faction. I could have seen them as like the new uh, Wyatt family, or like a new, like uh, give it a new name, whatever. Yeah. Um, basically, Bray be the mouthpiece slash like um, you know, performer. Yeah. Karrion be the muscle yeah. and Scarlet be, you know, the valet. Actually, you know what? They would have been like the supernatural horror movie version of Triple Threat. Yeah. If you you put them, you know what Bray Wyatt was and The Fiend for mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. You, you, you compared him to The Undertaker. But I think it's like he took part of The Undertaker, mm-hmm. the mystique and the, the creepiness and with mankind. Yeah. Because if you think about it, he was kind of both. Uh, he he gave some mankind vibes too when he was like uh, uh, Bray Wyatt with his um with his promos and his build yeah yeah it, it was kind of yeah exactly the creep factor mm-hmm. however okay two things in horror movies are always creepy uh, empty houses and kids mm-hmm. and when he did the I, I think it was John Cena was cutting a promo and this kids choir came out on stage and started singing he's oh, got the yeah. whole and they started walking down and they all had like sheep mask on yeah i was like i leave right <laughs> and honestly <laughs> that that was the moment that that was his aha moment right yeah. there and honestly from that moment alone that should have been like signed like oh, he should have been uh, put over at yeah. wrestlemania bro yeah. when he came out the first time as the fiend and he had the lantern of uh, bray wyatt's head mm-hmm. i was like this motherfucker's crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and even that, when they did the heavy metal remix to uh, Fireflies, mm-hmm. it was fucking, it, it fucking popped too. Yeah. Was, the crowd went nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the tribute, I'll end it with this. The tribute that they did, the WWE did on uh, SmackDown was really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they came out on stage, they did the typical 10 bell salute, but unprovoked, the crowd started singing. He's got the whole oh, world in his hands, wow. and it was it was fucking memorable because they all just started, and all the wrestlers were just sitting there, uh, and then they turned the lights down low, and everybody had the the their lights on, mm-hmm. and they put a spotlight on an empty rocking chair mm-hmm. at the top of the ramp, and I was like, "Damn, dude!" I was like, "Wow!" See, I, I was like, "That hit that hit me." Honestly, I haven't watched it yet. It's gonna take me a while to prepare, man, yeah. because that's something I cannot jump into. Like, like I said, like you know, Bray was one of my favorite wrestlers, and his it's just, it's just that whole gone too soon, man. Like yeah. that's a, that's a sad thing about it was the fact that he had so much left to give. And honestly, I could have seen I could see him having a uh, a career just like his um his grandfather, his father, his oh, uncles, yeah. like Terry Funk. Basically, be a star in all the territories and yeah. all the. Um, oh yeah, he could have yeah. he could have gone anywhere yeah. in the world. Yeah. With just being Wyndham Rotunda. I mean, yeah, I and mean, he would have been 
fucking huge. I remember the excitement that people had when um, when his release was announced. Yeah. People were like, oh, he needs to come to AEW. He needs oh, to be re- reunited with <laughs> Brody no Lee. Idea. He yeah. would have like, and he would have done great work. He would have made the Dark Order a lot better. He would he would have been the head of the Dark Order. Oh yeah, or wow. he could have been like part of House of Black. Yeah. Yep. Oh, speaking of House of Black, they're they're just treating them so fucking garbage right oh, now. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I want don't even get me started on that whole. But that's yeah, another, that's another thing. thing. We'll review. We'll review their eighty thousand dollar. I mean, eighty thousand person uh, on the next episode. Yeah, Good but pay per view. Yeah, but in the meantime, though, um, we uh, we at the Minority Report want to send our love and condolences to um, the Wind um, Wyndham's family. The Rotunda, uh, family, the Rotunda family, Jojo, Jojo, and all that. Um, once you know, we lost another great mm-hmm. in the world of wrestling. It is that's one of the tough things about being a wrestling fan is like um, seeing like your favorite, um, you know, favorite wrestlers like gone too soon. Yeah, somebody you, know? you enjoyed watching, you know, mm-hmm. somebody you looked forward to seeing and see what, you know, just like uh, the private part said, you want to wait and see what he's going to do next. Yeah, all the uh, uh, all the dream matches and everything. Yeah. So, but. Um, uh, yeah, one classy move that, and I'll leave it with this: the mm-hmm. WWE did, uh, mm-hmm. and they honestly a lot of times don't. The company itself doesn't do really classy moves. Uh, WWEshop.com, everything that is Fiend or mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt related merchandise, all the proceeds will be going to JoJo and his kids. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you aren't a fan of the WWE but just want to help them out, do so. And if you are, get some Bray Wyatt or Fiend uh, swag. And help them out. So, yeah, Absolutely. that's just my take on it. My order's gonna be there soon, right? But, uh, but yeah, Bray, we miss you. And even when you're gone, you still have the whole world in your hands. Let me in. And we're back. Thank you guys for continuing to hang out with us. So we were talking about the loss of uh, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend, a.k.a. Uncle Howdy, and whatever else was going to come next. Uh, But also, somebody who has been wrestling for the last 50 years and touched a lot of people. Uh, He was one of the reasons I became a wrestler, and a lot of other people did too. The owner of the Double Cross Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, the Funkster, Terry Funk, has uh, unfortunately passed away as well at 79 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been uh, dealing with a lot of health issues for a long time, and he actually died the day before uh, Bray Wyatt did. He, t- he was taken from us. Uh, again, he was 79 years old. He wrestled for 50 years and we touched on Bray Wyatt reinventing himself over and over again, Mm -hmm. uh, which some wrestlers who maintain a long and, uh, illustrious career do so, uh, AKA Kenji Muto, uh, I mean, AKA also like a Kenji Muto and other guys like that sting, they reinvent themselves and they sting who thought at six at, you know, mid sixties would still be wrestling the way he does. And still at a high caliber too. Yeah. And so that means, yeah, other guys are in fucking Florida playing golf, retired. He's over there, he's <laughs> he's over there going through tables from 20 feet up. Right. We're like, you know, um, at the same um, 
performance rate as like you know the 20 year olds yep. and everything but the, so going back to terry funk terry funk started wrestling back in the 1960s yeah 1965 in his father's promotion in texas his father was dory funk his brother was dory funk jr so he comes also from a wrestling dynasty mm-hmm. uh his first character was just being terry funk hard you know hard-nosed cowboy mm-hmm. professional wrestler mm-hmm. uh and then he evolved uh Later on, he became like the outlaw type, you know, the outlaw mm-hmm. cowboy. And one of the best feuds I ever seen him was with Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did this promo where he was uh, the Terry Funk Forever promo. Mm-hmm. Where he sits there and goes, forever, mm-hmm. forever. He just keeps saying forever. And it's just like it sends chills down your spine when you mm-hmm. watch it. He's all His face is all bloody. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that he... He took just a simple gimmick, just being Terry Funk the cowboy, and made it into just iconic. Yeah. Uh, then fast forward, and he is one of the pioneers of the uh, exploding death match mm-hmm. in in Japan. Yep. Him and uh, Mick Foley. Yep. Uh, uh, Mick, my... Mick Foley gives him a lot of credit for who he is. Well, well, um, well Mick Foley has uh, gone on record many times uh, saying that uh, Dor- um, that Terry Funk was one of his uh, inspirations because yeah. Terry Funk, like, um, even though he was a big dude uh, in his uh, prime, he still looked like your average Joe. Oh yeah, he yeah, looked yeah. like the dude that fixes your car. Right, exactly, and that's what like gave um, uh, fans like uh, Mick Foley and ones who you know don't yeah. have that you know the quote unquote Adonis build. Uh, hope oh, that yeah. they can make it in the business, bro. His brother, his brother looked like your vice principal. Oh yeah, and but he could fuck you up. Mm. He he could put you in locks, and you'd be like, oh wow, oh, that's my arm. Sounds like your actual <laughs> vice principal. Yeah. But no, but um, but here's. He, Here's how illustrious Terry's career was. Yeah. He has wrestled for a lot of promotions. And like they say numerous. I'm saying all of them. Oh, like Gary dude. like Gary Oldman and Professional. All of them. Yeah. All Japan Pro Wrestling. ECW. International Wrestling Association Japan. Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, which is actually where he became known for his like. Well, that's extreme, where they explain the exploding death, death matches match. started there. Yep. Yeah. United States Wrestling Association, WCW, WWE. NWA, big time wrestling, bro. If you Chip, list all of them, we're gonna be here all day. Pretty much, <laughs> it's, it's it's gonna be like when Homer listed off his yeah. jobs. No, but he, no, but yeah, it, it was his a, Jericho's list, right? It was a, but um, it was a testament to him as a performer. And yeah. when you said that he was able to reinvent himself, that's how he was able to work all those promotions yep. because he moved with the times. Like back in the, you know, when he first debuted, the whole cowboy gimmick was the most over thing, right? And um, just being a straight up hard hard wrestler, like yeah. just being trunks, boots. And that's all you needed. And then came the um the eighties. The eighties. Yeah. And then he started working like that more like technical style, but still had like that brawler. Like yep. he was almost like an early stone cold. Yeah, he yeah. could go an hour with Ric Flair with yeah. no problem. Mm-hmm. Then he actually got into movies too in the eighties. That's right. Uh, yeah. He was Roadhouse. in uh, Roadhouse, yeah. He was also in Over the Top. Mm-hmm. And also and this is actually where I first heard of him. Uh, was um, an episode of Quantum Leap. Yeah. He was also yeah. on a cowboy TV show. The Adventures of Briscoe County. Yeah. Oh, and he was also in Thunder in Paradise with uh, Hogan. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Who wasn't? What? Nightboat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then he, his, I remember his first stint in the WWF mm-hmm. was they invented a funk brother. Yeah. Jimmy Jack Funk. Mm-hmm. Or was it Jimmy Jack Funk? Yeah. Jimmy Jack Funk. He wore like a, 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 a Lone Ranger mask for some mm-hmm. reason. But he was supposedly a funk brother. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's so funny when they invent brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, like Kate, 
Agent Christian. Kayfabe brothers. Yeah. Agent yeah. Christian. And then they have to like later on, they have to like um, recon it. Like, oh, they were brothers and like, um, you know, because they're so close. Yeah. 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 The, the, so he reinvented himself in the WWF for him and mm-hmm. his brother. They did the, the extreme over the top cowboy. Like he came out in the chaps and the poncho and the cowboy yeah. hat because that was at the time of the WWF. That's just the way it was. It was, it was pretty much like a job. He didn't yeah. reach the levels that he did like in the NWA and the WWF, which I think it's, again, going back to the 80s where, like you said, he wasn't yeah. a big giant steroid looking dude. So yeah. he wasn't going to get over. He was country as fuck. Yeah. And, well, and, he wasn't going to get over with Vince because he wasn't the monster that they wanted. Well, and it's also is that Vince hate he, he hates the South, he hates country type folk yeah. and everything. So it's funny because he's from the South. Oh yeah, but don't you know he won't admit that he grew up in a, he grew up in a trailer park. Yeah, dude. he grew up in North Carolina in a trailer park. Yeah, yeah. no, not Greenwich, Connecticut, as like he likes to claim. <laughs> no, he's no blue blood. Yeah, we got receipts, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he he uh, Terry grew up in Texas. Mm-hmm. He grew up like a lot of the wrestlers at the time, like Dusty Rhodes in West Texas. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like they were just feeding wrestlers to the, like you, that's where you got uh Stan Hansen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Bruiser Brody was from over there too. Who is a fucking icon. Bro. Yeah, yeah. But Terry Funk, uh, yeah, he kept reinventing himself. Then in the nineties, mm-hmm. something came along called Eastern championship wrestling. That, evol- also, that evolved into extreme ECW, ECW. Sorry, but you can't. ECW. ECW, yeah. ECW. You, can't, you, can't ECW. He- you can't help but talk, but do the chant when you're talking about ECW. Yeah. But, uh, but no, like honestly, and I think that's like where the Terry Funk that a lot of people yeah. today know of, the whole hardcore yep. style one. That's Dude, with where the he was fucking born. flaming uh, branding iron and the uh, and the chainsaw yep. and everything. You know, no, what? chainsaw Charlie came out in the WWF. That uh, was after that. Actually, I think he uh, did that as well as in Frontier oh, because well. Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling they were fucking nuts. They oh, were they all were. Insane in the they were yeah. fucking him and Mick Foley. Their fucking yeah. death matches were sick, mm-hmm. uh, bro. It, it put it this way: they're so bad. Sometimes I can't watch them. Oh like, yeah, I'll sit there and watch something. I'm like, oh, okay, I feel uncomfortable. It looked, it looked like a snuff movie. Yo, dude, because it looked like it, little legit, like they were trying to kill each other. Because you can't, you can't gimmick what they could. Right. Like they use actual barbed wire and all that jazz. Yeah. If you watch that, yeah, like the first time I watched one of those Frontier matches, I saw them taking down the the ropes, the ring mm-hmm. ropes, and putting barbed wire in their place. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? Oh, is that? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, in the 90s, he at 50 plus years old, mm-hmm. uh, and this is what I kind of felt like a, not a failure, but I was kind of like, damn. Because he was 50 plus years old mm-hmm. and he started doing a moonsault. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. When people are retiring from wrestling, he's doing moonsaults. He mm-hmm. just started doing it. He had never done one before. Yeah. And I'm like, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. See, okay. So <laughs> Terry, like um, when he became like a hardcore wrestler, um, it was both smart and crazy. Yeah. Smart. Because he was getting old. He wasn't in his prime. And so he had to make up for it. So he delved more into the brawler outlaw uh, aspect of his gimmick and just amped that up to 11. Yeah, he leaned into, he kind of G-rated the Frontier Wrestling uh, gimmick. mm -hmm. You know, they were were doing hardcore in ECW. It wasn't to the level of Frontier, but they were still doing it. Actually, wire, I, flaming tables. I would say since the uh, with the arrival of Terry Funk, that's when they started amping it up. Because remember the barbed wire match between him and Sabu. Sabu. Oh my fucking yeah. god, dude. Okay, and the, that match is notorious because Sabu tore his bicep muscle open, mm-hmm. 
and he glued it shut backstage with uh, super glue. Yeah. He didn't go to the hospital, didn't get stitches. He stitched it. He he glued it together with super glue. And uh, and that was actually the last barbed wire match in the history of ECW because how fucking yeah. violent and crazy it was. Because by the end of it, I think it was a no contest because him and Terry were Got caught tangled. up in the barbed wire. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't, get out. it wasn't fake barbed wire. It wasn't like no. Spirit Halloween barbed wire. <laughs> that was the real thing. The way you gimmick barbed wire, oh, and I'm pulling back the curtain here. The way you gimmick barbed wire is, you know the points on the end of each barb? Uh-huh. You cut those back. Right. So it still looks like barbed wire, but they're not. And that takes a lot pretty. of work to do. Oh, it does. Yeah. It does. That's why when I watch matches of hardcore matches in AEW, and don't get me wrong, they, mm. they do pretty well. It's like, mm. okay, I mean... Yeah, yeah, uh, but um, it's all right, <laughs> right? Um, oh, so I'm uh, I was uh, mistaken. Actually, Sabu defeated uh, Terry Funk by pinfall, yeah. and as you remember, it because they were all covered in, in barbed, barbed wire, wire. Yeah. and he's like, I still got to pin him. Yeah, so they sandwiched together yeah. the and, fucking barbed wire, and Sabu had pretty much no pants on. Yeah, oh yeah, his his, his whole genie bo- pants got ripped. Shreds. Yeah, and his whole like magic might shorts were like showing off yeah. and everything. And here's how bad. So it was the last thank God it was the last match of yeah. the of the card. Oh you can't follow that. No, not at all. Well not also it's because of like what's being what's involved, barbed wire. Yeah. So all the backstage hands and everything, they had to cut them out of the barbed yep. wire. Because they were all so tangled up. Yeah. And he like I said, the most impressive thing to me was that at 50-something years old, he started doing moonsaults. Moonsault, mm-hmm. to me, is probably one of the hardest moves you can learn in wrestling. Mm-hmm. I know people are oh, it's fucking easy. Everybody no. does it. It's the fact that, okay, having trained, uh-huh. uh, the reason why a lot of people don't do it is it, doing a backflip is easy. Mm-hmm. Putting yourself to do a backflip where you know you're not going to land on your feet mm-hmm. and you got to land on your body not missing the person that you're trying to land on. Mm-hmm. And Billy Kidman will prove to you that that's not always, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of broken arms later. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's hard. And the hardest part about it is, I don't know if a lot of people have the same issue I do. I can't, it's not that I don't trust. I don't want to fall on my head and neck. Yeah. So like going backwards and not seeing where you're going is fucking really difficult. And on top of all that, having that good form. Yeah. Because like a lot, of, like the best moonsaults when I think, uh, you know, Ultimo Dragon, Io Shirai and everything. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle has a beautiful moonsault. So does Cody Rhodes, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can believe that. Cody. Well, I mean. He, did you see when he moonsaulted off the top of the cage onto Wardlow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so having, because like, it's okay, it looks like to be a simple move. Like everybody does a moonsault and everything. But it's the it's the little things that make them effective. Yeah. Landing, spotting, the form. See, um, I've always thought that Lita's moonsault, it's the most iconic, but it's also the most sloppy. But I think it's because So is Jeff Hardy's. Jeff Hardy's, yeah. yeah. But I think it's mostly because they're trying to protect themselves. Yeah. So you have to sacrifice. You can either have like a great form or you can protect yourselves. As far as female wrestlers, the two that I think have the best are Scar- uh, Charlotte Flair. Because mm-hmm. she does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's Io Shirai. Yeah. She, Io Shirai is just, yeah, yeah next it's, level. So when you bring up like a Terry Funk, like a doing the moonsaults and everything. So like um, I got, I, I, I started watching Terry Funk's wrestling and like, during his later part of career, because I'm so more, ECW. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like yeah. Uh, I'm more uh, like uh, my fandom like really did like start into like the attitude era yeah and of course that infamous documentary beyond the mat oh yeah yeah Yeah. and that's when i started learning more about terry and as a kid i'm like oh my god this guy's 50 years old he's doing all this crazy shit that is hardcore that's badass (laughs) now when i look back it's like 
bro, what the fuck were you doing? And because it, yeah. it, because it, like um, guys of his age and everything doing that type of wrestling, it fucked them up. Well, like, I'm 50 hard. years old now, yeah. and I couldn't see myself doing fucking moonsaults yeah. and going through fucking tables. Would I do it? Yeah, for a nice payday. Yeah. But just to say that I did it? No, man. See, oh, and honestly, I think that's how like bloodthirsty the fans could be because yeah. like he's doing all this shit that he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. And like, but it's over. Oh, I could do it. Yeah, no, yeah. You can, bro. Well, no, no it, it, and it's not just I could do it. It's like that whole like it's getting over, and it's almost like the fans are like encouraging him to like fuck up his no, body. Right, but I mean, it's like the wrestlers that came after him. Yeah. Well, how is it Jim Cornette uh, refers to them? Mm. Uh, mud hole. Mud, oh, outlaw mud hole bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I know what she's saying. Yeah. yeah, he. They started doing those matches because oh, if Terry Funk could do it, I could do it. Yeah. No, you no. can't. <laughs> I was like, no, you can't wrestle. Yeah. Terry and, Terry Funk was a wrestler that did hardcore. You're, you're an idiot. That, yeah, that, you're that, a, that should be in your backyard. See, and that's like, I think that's like what separates like you know the smarts from the marks and everything. Because yeah. like when the marks see Terry Funk, they say like, oh, this will be easy. Like uh, you know, just like get like a barbed wire, all yeah. that and everything. They no. forget the fact that this guy like started in the business as a grappler, as a technical wrestler. He had to be, basically become a hardcore wrestler yeah. just to keep up. You can do okay. I don't have anything against hardcore. Mm-hmm. No, I've done matches myself that were hardcore matches. Mm. Hardest shot I ever took was homicide hit me in the head with a with a baking sheet from mm-hmm. a bakery. That was probably the hardest. Well, that and low life Louie hit me with a chair so hard that I sat down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ever been hit so hard that your feet don't work? Can't say that I have. Yeah, well, I did. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so you can but the thing is those guys that i'm mentioning are wrestlers like mm-hmm. if you see homicide he can wrestle a five-star match but then he can hit you in the head with a chair 15 times yeah well, same, same thing with new jack he yeah, started exact, out as a wrestler too yeah exactly so but it, it's the element that terry funk did that's what it's iconic about it that he took wrestling and made it extreme mm-hmm. he didn't just start putting bob wire uh, on ropes and fucking throwing himself into glass mm-hmm. and then learn, try to learn a fucking uh, uh, tie up. No, no, yeah. no, no. He was probably one of the most in the 50s, I'm oh, sorry, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, probably one of the most. Uh, he was in his day, he was probably like a Daniel Bryan of his day. He was mm-hmm. like a very technically sound wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and then later on in life, he said, okay, well, I can't pull all the same moves I did anymore, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them I can, but, and guys are getting bigger than me. They're coming in bigger than me. So yeah. what can I do mm-hmm. to still be able to do this? See, he had a great mind for the business, you know, like, just like we talked about with Bray and everything. Yeah. Like he knew that, how am I going to evolve my style with like the more relevant, like, you know, um, climate yeah. of wrestling. And he retired yeah. like 152 times, I think. Yeah. He was kind of like <laughs> Kiss. There was like, there's like final matches. There's yeah. like our, our go home tours it's, and everything. It's like that electronic store in New York City. Yeah. Going out of business. You, bro, you've been going out of business for the last 18 <laughs> years, dude. But, but yeah. Um, but yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like as I mentioned, like, you know, um, learning, like watching his like career, like late in life and everything. Yeah. Um, I do remember, like, you know, the battles him and Mick Foley had with the New Age Outlaws. Oh, when he, was when he, beca- when he became Chainsaw Charlie. Yeah. yeah. I remember him being, like, a fucking horror movie villain, like, with the chainsaw going through the canvas. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly... And you know what's funny about that? Mm-hmm. I was uh, I was, I was was listening to Jim Cornette's podcast mm-hmm. about that. And he goes, 
they they wanted to rename him, and he goes, "Why the fuck would you do that?" He goes, "Oh, because you know our fans aren't gonna Kevin, oh, it, Kevin Dunn." Oh, I, was was it Kevin Dunn? Yeah, oh, I thought it was uh, Johnny Ace. No, no, Kevin Dunn said that they're uh, both tone deaf idiots. They said they yeah. wouldn't be uh, they wouldn't be familiar with Terry Funk. Oh he, my and Jim god! Yeah, was yeah, like yeah. he's Terry fucking Funk. I and guess like, what? When he appeared in everybody goes, uh, hey, w- look, it's Terry Funk. And when he appeared in <laughs> WWF, they started doing ECW chants yeah. and all that. Yeah, so no, obviously, people know him. Yeah, you're right. Because like Kevin Dunn. Uh, is like on the level of Vince McMahon thinking that nobody WWF fans don't watch anything but WWE oh. not realizing that wrestling fans watch other shows yeah. because they don't yeah like some wrestlers have gone into the WWF or WWE mm-hmm. and Vince McMahon hasn't even known who they are and never watched them because he doesn't watch other promotions yeah ever so he got people to do that that'd be nice right I know right yeah I never watched Game of Thrones but my guy has he tells yeah. me it's a good show <laughs> So, but anyway, but like no, he he fit in perfect with the Attitude Era because that's when he was going. Like that's like was the um, when he yeah. was in his hardcore era. Well, I'm glad that when they once they chopped the Chainsaw Charlie bullshit. Yeah, just, I, know. I do remember that uh, that uh, tag uh, tag team dumpster match. Oh, it was that at, was the best. Dude. At, and they uh, won Russell, the ta- they won the tag titles. Yeah, at yeah. WrestleMania 14, it was yeah. them against uh, the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, um, I ain't gonna lie, yeah. I was a New Age Outlaws mark. Yeah, they were. I popped for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't I wasn't really into them that much. Uh, I was really into Mick Foley though, hmm. um, and so when seeing him in um, Terry Funk, yeah, and they put on they put on a banger match because yeah. because honestly, like the the match like drew all of their strengths, you know, because um, Mick and Terry come from like, the hardcore world, yeah. frontier martial arts wrestling. Um, Road Dog really wasn't much of a wrestler. Like he could wrestle, but it was like very mid. He he, he was an entertainer. Well, he, he was like the Enzo of his yeah, time. Yeah, he was he was a promo. Yeah, but he does come from wrestling lineage too. Oh uh, yeah, uh, the, uh, the Armstrong. Armstrongs. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bullet Bob. Yeah, his his brother's still a referee in the WWE. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. And, no, um, so it was a great fucking match, dude. Yeah. I mean, they just it was a banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Uh, the my favorite thing about the New Age Outlaws was kind of their promos when you go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, church of all ages. You know, it was yeah, you marked out for that. Yeah, they were the uh, the Enzo and Cass of their time. Yeah, yeah. Well, Billy Gunn was better than that. Billy Gunn is fucking athletic as fuck. Well, they, well, that was the thing. Like he was he was the work yeah. and um. And uh, and that's another motherfucker, sixty years old and still oh, looks right? fucking phenomenal. I wish I could look that at sixty. <laughs> at but, sixty, you wish yeah. you looked like that now, now right? <laughs> but uh, but no, like um, but no, like uh, he was uh, Billy was the work and yep. Road Dog was the promo. So yeah, so, but going back to Terry, so yeah, yeah, one of my favorite memories of his uh, in the WWF was actually at the Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and Mankind. Mm. He kept coming out to see if Mick Foley was alive <laughs> uh, because they are legit best friends. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. And he says that, yeah, I was watching one where uh, there's, a, there's a new video out on WWE, uh, I believe it's on Peacock, where it's Mick Foley and Undertaker sitting down and, and uh, recapping the match for the first time together mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and they, he goes, yeah, Terry came over to him. He goes, check if he's alive. He, he goes, he said to uh, Undertaker, says he told Terry Funk, check if he's alive. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, he, Jerry Funk goes to check on him. He comes back and goes, uh, he's still breathing. So Undertaker punched him because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to sell the gimmick. So, yeah. Oh, man. So um, I remember mostly uh, Terry's um, late uh, run in WCW during their um, dying days. Oh, Lord. Yeah, where he was like, um, 
he was a hardcore champion and they built the storyline where he was they said like you're old as fuck give us the title yeah. quit whatever but he's like he's got like that fighting spirit like as long as there's as long know, as i'm still standing as long as they're still standing as long as like you know there's still spirit in these bones i'm not giving yeah. it up and he had like this fucking wild ass feud with uh norman smiley which oh is, God! Yeah, <laughs> when Norris Smiley was trying to be the hardcore legend, and that was a, and that was an interesting dynamic too, because you have two guys who are both from the old school style of wrestling. They were both actually like you know technical marvels, right? Uh, but to adapt to the times to be stay relevant, they had to do like the whole hardcore thing. But I mean, like in a weird way, it worked. They were entertaining. Um, but yeah, I remember Terry being like that. I'm old as fuck, but I'm still a fight. You know, I'm still gonna fight till I die type of thing and that's what impressed me a lot as a kid looking back i was like god i wish you retired man because you yep. fucked your body up hard oh dude it's crazy and i remember um i was talking with a friend um after terry died and you know he's my same age say um watched wrestling the same time as i did um he was like man i remember he's doing moonsaults when he was 50 years old that was nuts and i wanted to say dude that was dumb because that he was closer to death every time he did a moonsault. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, come on. The guy was, I mean, he was old. Let's yeah. face facts, dude. Yeah, but we have to mention how he was one of the best heels of all time. When oh, they yeah, say dude. heel heat, this motherfucker got heel <laughs> yeah, heat. he did. Because didn't he get stabbed by a fan? Uh, after, like, no, that was Ole Anderson. Oh, okay. That was Ole Anderson. Got legit stabbed by yeah, a fan. <laughs> right. But Those our, motherfuckers back in the day were crazy, bro. But I remember, like, Terry, like, he needed security and everything. Oh, because, everywhere like, he went, yeah. Yeah, because, like, fans, like, you know, were so fucking invested that they wanted his blood. Yep. That's insane, dude. It is. But yep. then, yeah. And, um, yeah. but yeah, but no, like, he, uh... He had a hell of a career. Yeah, you know, no, he had a he, very storied career. He did, mm -hmm. and um, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, Phoenix is becoming known for where wrestlers come to pass away, I guess, or because uh, he also passed away here in an assisted living facility in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. uh, he, yeah, along with if you don't know, superstar Billy Graham, mm -hmm. uh, the Ultimate Warrior. That's right. Yeah, uh, it was right after. Uh, yeah. WrestleMania. Yep. The day after WrestleMania. Yeah. I should know the Tuesday after WrestleMania was the day after Monday Night Raw mm -hmm. uh, that he was on. But yeah, and I don't know if he's going to be entombed here. Probably not. He's probably going to be on his ranch in Amarillo. I would assume so. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero is laid to rest in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't know. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, Terry Funk had an illustrious career. It spanned almost fucking 50 years, dude. Mm. He was born in 1944. So yeah. he was almost 80 years old. Next year, he would have been 80 years mm. old. Um, and he was crazy about it is that he wrestled up until 2017 was his last match. So only six years ago was his last match. Unbelievable. So he was over 70 years old when he wrestled you know, And I was surprised match. to find that out because I thought he retired back in like... Um the mid two thousands, bro. He's retired. He's retired more than the fucking Eagles, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no. Oh, I just remember another like great moment. Uh, ECW. Um, it was like it was um him against um Mick Foley, where they. Well, I think it was either Mick or Terry that asked the crowd, "Can I get a chair?" And then oh, you they, see the it was rain Terry. of chairs. It was it was yeah. Terry, it was Terry Funk. They they hit him in the head with a chair. Yeah, they threw fucking every chair they could find inside the ring. I was it, like, man, it, they got a lot of chairs. They actually put it into their intro. It was so fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, it was it was nuts. I remember watching that episode. It was just insane. Dude. I remember like uh, a lot of like uh, Simpsons wrestling fans would love to, like comparing like the episode where uh, Barton Millhouse go to see Spinal Tap. 
Yeah. And then Millhouse is buried underneath all those chairs. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. always like make uh, reference to that episode whenever. Yeah, well, you see it. Yeah. Make, uh, I never, unfortunately, got a chance to meet Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. Uh, the closest I got was uh, ECW. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually, before I even started working, uh, I worked uh, some backstage at ECW shows, a couple of them in New York. Mm-hmm. Never at the ECW arena. I did a couple of the uh, New York and Queens that the, when they used to have it at the uh, Elks Lodge, mm-hmm. and I did a couple of shows there. I I didn't wrestle. I worked backstage because um, I had a friend who was a wrestler there. Uh, he was El, I don't know if you remember him, El Puerto Ricano, Pablo Marquez. I think it sounds familiar. He was kind of a mid Carter, and yeah. they, they would have Taz choke him out all the time. Right. Uh, what was funny though is because they would announce him from Quito, Ecuador, mm-hmm. El Puerto Ricano. Mm-hmm. Huh. He's, he, a, he's Ecuadorian, but they call him El Puerto Rican. It was, yeah. <laughs> That's because the crowd won't know. No, yeah, yeah they don't know. Yeah. He's brown. <laughs> no, it's like what they it was like. What was it? Uh, Ron White they used to say like uh, like I'm Puerto Rican or I'm uh, Argentinian. Oh, okay, Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no, that was uh, not Ron White. That was uh, the heavy dude, Rafi May. Rafi May, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes, he goes, hey, a rice con pollo is a rice con pollo. Rice and chicken is rice and chicken. <laughs> I was like, damn, Rafi May, fuck right, you. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, he was he was uh, a unique person, Terry Funk. He mm-hmm. was a cowboy. Yeah, like uh, at on SmackDown, they played tribute to him too, mm-hmm. and they had um, who's probably one of the best promos right now, Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said I was watching on I think what culture, but they were saying that that's how much uh, Triple H and the WWE right now think of. Uh, Cody Rhodes, mm-hmm. that they had him be the baby face to go out there and cut a promo. Yeah, I was like, yeah, but also he's probably the only one on the roster that has some type of connection. Oh yeah, to like Terry knew Funk. him as a kid and everything. Yeah. You know? He he told a great story about when he was a kid that he was at the airport with his dad, the legendary Dusty Rhodes, mm-hmm. and he uh, he heard somebody calling his father the oddest name he ever heard. He called him an egg sucking. Fuck, what was it? He said it was an egg sucking something or other, and he looked at Michael Cole and goes, "Can we say that on on Fox?" He goes, <laughs> uh, uh, he said egg sucking son of a something, and he said he hears this at the airport. He's like, "What the f- who? What? What are they calling my father right now?" Oh, an egg sucking dog. Yeah, he yeah. Goes, he killed your egg sucking dog, and he's actually called him that cutting promos too. Yeah, and he's like, and he looks, he goes, and it was Terry Funk randomly saw his father at the airport to keep kayfabe he was mm-hmm. he was calling terry he was calling dusty rose an egg sucking dog <laughs> in the middle of the fucking airport dude kayfabe was the best bro mm-hmm. kayfabe was the best you know what was the first time just a side note real quick mm-hmm. kayfabe was kind of broken for me mm-hmm. uh when the iron sheik and uh who was feuding at the time with hacksaw jim duggan got caught uh doing coke in a parking lot <laughs> by the police which sounds so on brand for they, uh for chic yeah they were both they were they were uh they were both arrested because they got caught doing coke <laughs> i'm like wait a minute they're not supposed to hang out together i was a little kid <laughs> which is funny because now you say that it's like oh so it wasn't the drug part that shocked you <laughs> no yeah, no it wasn't that yeah my, my even as a kid right like the cocaine was yeah the part that it was bothered. the 80s <laughs> no my uh moment that kayfabe was broke was um uh, this was like in 2000 and I'm at the grocery store with my mom yeah. and I seen the magazine rack 
World of Wrestling. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember WoW. Yeah. Now, yeah. this was the first time I bought a wrestling magazine that was that was a shoot. Um, yeah, that was that a shoot was magazine. Pricey magazine, though, too. They were, yeah. Well, I mean, like it was really like great quality magazines. It was. So Because before then, I like bought WCW magazine, WWF magazine. They were all kayfabe oh, and no. everything. No, I so, bought all the ones that weren't. Yeah. So this was my first dirt sheet. Uh, and so um, one of the articles was Chris Jericho's wedding. And uh, they showed like all photos from like him and his wife, right. like uh, dressed to the nines and everything. And they said like a who's who of WCW, WWF, and ECW uh, wrestlers were there. And you saw photos of Edge, uh, Christian, right. Disco Inferno, Cyrus the Virus, Tori Wilson. And I'm looking at this like, wait a minute. Well, those two are supposed to be feuding. Those are in different companies. What's going on those here? Those are bad guys. Right? Why are there, the bad guys there? There are rivals. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. yeah. So that's what like uh, what like you know broke kayfabe for me. But yeah. it, but like um, it didn't stop. That's actually what got me more into like indie wrestling yeah. and all that. You know what's funny? When I was a kid, they weren't called dirt sheets. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess they were, but like I used to, re- I used to read like Pro Wrestling Illustrated mm-hmm. uh, and all those, uh, all the, the Bill Apter uh, oh, magazines. Bill Apter, yeah, I love Bill Apter. Yeah, he's he so like, wholesome. Yeah, he yeah. had like a whole line of wrestling magazines. Yeah, and I used to, I used to collect them. Dude, if I still had those right now, Paul. Oh yeah, I had ones with like Ric Flair on the cover, the Road Warriors. Mm-hmm. I had the top, the PWI top five hundred from like the early nineties. I was such a huge mark, dude. dude I had and a I stack bet, of magazines. And I bet if you found them, they would have like that, like that. Um, what do you call that wear and tear aesthetic? It's, it, it's yeah. called patina. When it starts to yellow, yeah. they call it patina. Just like when stuff starts to rust. Yeah. yeah. I, I I learned that watching uh, you know that stupid show American Pickers. Mm-hmm. Those two guys go around collecting junk. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, look at the patina!" And I'm like, "What the fuck is patina? That should look like <laughs> rust." And like, that's what the rust is called, patina. Yeah, but the it aging. Gave, but it gave that whole like vintage magazine aesthetic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. no doubt. It's like it's like finding an old Playboy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that old magazine smell. Right. I mean, not that I've ever in a stick. Not that I've ever looked at old Playboys. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a good Christian boy. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I read magazines like that for the articles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like FHM. <laughs> you, wanted, you, you wanted to hear about like you know about uh, James Conn. Yeah. Everything. Exactly. Yeah. I used to get FHM for the tech articles. <laughs> you know. You got the T word right, but <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. So Terry Funk, honestly, mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of good childhood memories watching him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, he was also like Stallone liked him because like Stallone, oh they were good friends. Yeah, Stallone yeah. used him in uh, in o- uh, over, over the, the top. top. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Stallone threw him through a wall in that movie. Oh, I remember <laughs> the, that. Yeah, the garden door. He's yeah. like the whole thing exploded. I'm like, he <laughs> he was such you know, and it's and it's a shame that he didn't really like do a lot in Hollywood. Yeah, because he would have made such a great character actor because he was a great heavy. Yeah. You know, he had that very mean, you know, first boss in a final fight, Streets of Rage yeah. type of just, game. Look just like him. in Roadhouse, too. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, you know, again, like the first time I ever saw him was in that episode of Quantum Leap, mm. where um, Dr. Sam Beckett jumped into the body of a um, Southern Territory wrestler. No shit. And, oh, I yeah. missed that one. And their whole gimmick, it was, it was him and a tag team. They were good old boys, but their gimmick was like they were Russians. Ah. And so, and Terry Funk was... Um, 
their rival. Right. Uh, and I forgot who played uh, his uh, tag, tag, team tag team partner. I know it was like another wrestler. There are rivals. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being scared of this guy because Sam was in the body of a wrestler and he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. You know, because right. that was the that was the thing about Quantum Leap. He gets left into a body, but he's like, "What do I do here? Oh, I'm supposed to be a singer. Oh shit." So he's supposed to be a wrestler, and Terry's shoot kicking the shit out of him. <laughs> and I remember being a kid, like saying, "Oh my god, this guy is scary." He's like putting the boots to like uh, Scott Bakula and everything. But and you know what used to happen back in those days mm. when they used to do shows like that? Mm. Sometimes they would fucking hit them for real. Oh yeah, like, they, potato yeah. them. Oh yeah. yeah, potato the shit out of them because they wanted to make sure they knew that they were fucking wrestlers. You know that they were hard, hard fucking dudes that you weren't just gonna fucking come walk all over them. Oh yeah, well that's this was like during like the time when like you know Doctor, you know uh, Doctor Schultz, uh, like slapped John uh, Stockdale, Doctor D. David Schultz, David Doctor when, when he slapped, slapped, the, uh, the, slapped the fucking eardrum off of the John. Was it uh, uh, John uh, Stossel? Stossel, yeah. yeah, and everything. So it was during that time where they had to prove that, like you know, professional wrestling can just be uh, just as legit. When uh, Hulk Hogan fucking uh, choked out Richard Belzer, <laughs> knocked him the fuck mm-hmm. out. He, I Smokey would have came out of you got knocked the, the fuck, fuck out. out. <laughs> I remember Mister T was saying, "Oh, he just napping. He just napping. <laughs> bro." Richard Belzer won a lawsuit against oh, uh, yeah. Hulk Hogan because he of was that. he was able to get a house in Paris because of that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but no, like um, Terry's like Mark in wrestling is massive because you know you and I like grew up in like different generations of wrestling and but we have memories of terry funk not a lot of wrestlers can have that longevity yeah no yeah. no not at all yeah uh and by the way sam beckett was uh the wrestler named terry samus uh he he uh and the episode's called heart of a champion it was mm-hmm. in season three yeah that so was... i'm trying to i'm trying to find who the guy was the that played his uh oh shit you know who directed that episode mm. joey pants Oh, wait, Joe, Joe, Joe Pantiano? Oh, no, no, sorry. No, I'm sorry. It was Joe Napolitano. I read that wrong. Oh, I was about to I was say. Like, oh, shit, Joey Pants? Joey Pants directing a wrestling episode? Dope. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the uh, His tag team partner uh, was played by, or, or uh, Nicole Rusky. His name was, <laughs> Ru- was played by Jeff Hoffendoner. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck that is. Who, along with his brother Ronnie, form a tag team. So yeah, that's that was their uh, tag team, mm-hmm. the, but the, they were the Russians, and I'm trying to find who was one. Oh, was, one of them was Terry Funk, uh, was one of them, and then another guy, he played Carl Shiloh was Terry Funk. Uh, they're not showing who's his tag team partner. Interesting. So yeah, that's yeah. weird. It could have been just like an actor, or maybe a, a worker that never got big. Yeah, yeah. somebody. Because the it, guy, because like I remember his tag partner did look intimidating as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So. But the thing is, it, who had a great feud with Terry Funk too was uh, Roddy Piper. But then again, who Roddy Piper didn't have a I'm saying a feud yeah. with. Yeah, some somebody posted a picture of Terry Funk driving and Roddy Piper in the uh, in the passenger seat of a Jeep Wagoneer. Mm-hmm. It goes, "You might be cool, but you'll never be Terry Funk uh, riding in a Wagoneer with uh, <laughs> with Roddy Piper riding shotgun cool." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably yeah. not. Valid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of Roddy Piper, recently uh, I saw this thing about uh, commercialism, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a poster uh, with Nada, mm-hmm. his character from They Live. Oh, yeah. And I Classic reposted movie. it saying, yeah. Nada new, Nada yeah. new. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, to finish up, Terry Funk is a legend. 
uh, will always, he is the only wrestler I believe that is in every single wrestling hall of fame that there is. Oh yeah. He's uh, in the ECW hall of fame. WWE, NWA, yep. um, uh, wrestling, uh, wrestling, pro, professional, uh, pro wrestling illustrated's hall of fame. I think he's in the, um, what is it called? The cauliflower, Cauli- uh, cauliflower ear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, hall of fame. Yep. Every single wrestling hall of fame that there is, he's yeah. in it and he deservedly so. Absolutely. Yeah. He was one of those wrestlers that if you were a casual fan, mm-hmm. you weren't aware of. Like, if you were a fan of uh, 80s Hulk Hogan and, and you know, those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 90s WCW, WWE mm-hmm. fans. You weren't really familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, he was just that crazy old dude with Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think truly is the... Hardcore fans. I don't mean hardcore wrestling. I just mean hardcore wrestling fans are the yeah. true admirers of oh, Terry Funk. He was definitely a uh, wrestler's wrestler. Yeah, you know? I put I put him in the same class. Although he outlived them all, uh-huh. uh, Stan Hansen, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Bruiser Brody, uh, Bruiser. Oh gosh, <laughs> Bruiser Brody. Right. All those guys, those and, legends. And you know? honestly, I am really, and this is going to sound dark, but mm-hmm. I am surprised that he lived this long. Because of, <laughs> it's true. Because the way he sacrificed his body for the yeah. love of the sport, and I thought that I honestly thought he was going to die in the ring, like a uh, Ram, um, Randy, Randy the, the Ram, Ram from yeah. the wrestler. Which honestly, if he did, it would have been a fitting end to his yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, it would have been sad. It would have been sad, but like he would have gone out on his terms. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, yep. I hope you guys learned something today. Any last words, uh, G? Uh, Terry. You'll always be a legend in our hearts. Um, your uh, your impact is undeniable. And honestly, I'm gonna actually gonna go watch a Roadhouse after this and everything, and Over the Top, and Quantum Leap, like a basically a Terry a Terry Funk film festival. I, I'm I've been wanting to watch Beyond the Mat. Uh, he he popped up in my head a few you, times. You ever seen it yet? No, I've seen it. Oh, is I'm yeah. rewatch it. Oh, rewatch it. Yeah. It just it makes me really sad the Jake the Snake part. So yeah, it uh, was almost like a that movie was like a very cautionary tale. Yeah, yeah. I uh, long story short, I'll end it with this. I, first time I saw it in the movie theater, uh, it was before I started wrestling, and I saw Jake the Snake Roberts. You know the whole story of him, and he was a huge part of my childhood. And I was a huge fan. He was one of my favorite heels, mm-hmm. uh, and. It brought me to tears because it was like, it was a sad, sad time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Bray Wyatt, keep company to uh, Terry. And uh, I know they're up there with Brody Lee mm-hmm. hanging out, shooting the shit. Honestly, Heaven has a hell of a wrestling fed right yeah, now. It has a great roster. Right. Yeah. And with that, at the Minority Report, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, RIP to two legends. And we will see you. Uh-huh.